Hello, and welcome to the Wild Blue Podcast, perspectives on aviation lives, lifestyles, and business. Hi, this is Chris Kirk at uh, Wild Blue Aircraft Sales, and we're uh, here with the Wild Blue Podcast. And today, uh, we got a special guest. It's Clay Healy from uh, AIC Title. And Clay, welcome. Well, thank you very much, Chris. I really appreciate you having me on, and hopefully everybody's doing well and, and we can get through the end of the year. Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that's the key, isn't it? Uh, so uh, just kind of a little bit of background here. Clay, you probably don't even remember this, but um, you know, we've, we've been using you guys, uh, just, I guess, disclosure here for title services for a number of years, and then several years, I, I'm trying to think, it's probably been six years ago, the lady that uh, you had your conference and the lady that did the boots, you remember, uh, you know who I'm talking about? Absolutely. I do. I think yeah. that was the, the year that I came down there and, and met you. And I've sent one or two of my guys in the intervening years um, down, but, uh, but anyway, um, so can you Clay, just give me a little bit of background, give the listeners a little bit of background on who you are and, and what your company does, if you would. Well, thanks, Chris. AIC is a title and escrow company. A title and closing company is a better thought process that you have is that what we what we do is the same thing that, that someone might do if you're buying a home and you go to a, a title company and you close your home. We do the same thing for aviation. The FAA happens to be in Oklahoma City, so all the paperwork that transfers on plane ownership transfers here in Oklahoma City. And we are able to house that information and provide our clients with ownership information. And then we take that and provide our clients basically an overview of everything that's happening with that plane. We'll hold the documents, the purchase agreement, the, the any of the aircraft agreements that we need to hold, we'll hold. And then when everybody shakes their hand, head in the same direction, we take them over to the FAA and file them. I have three staff members that work at the FAA every day, and we're able to place those documents at the FAA and file those documents so the transfer of the plane is, is completed. Um, that's a very short elevator speech of what AIC does. Um, we currently do probably 5,000 uh, closings a year for our clients. And the second step of that would be the software that we've designed to help us get that done. Okay. So you've got, you're dealing with anything from 172 up to airline type aircraft? Yeah. From 172s to the biggest one we did was a uh, Dreamliner that um, somebody just did last year as a, uh, as a BBJ. So oh, that wow. was the biggest one that was, and, and it was green. It hadn't even gotten the interior placed in it yet. And that was, uh, I think it was $128 million. So yeah. that was a pretty, that was a pretty sizable deal. So are most of your clients, do they fall into, uh, you know, individuals that are buying and selling? Are they brokers and dealers? Are they, uh, financing, uh, arms who's where does most of that come from well it's it's pretty simple our largest clients would be probably the oems that we do all the work for we do pretty much all the work for 
almost every OEM except Gulfstream. Um, we also do tons of work with the banks. Uh, that would probably, those would be one and two as far as numbers of transactions during a year would be the banks and the OEMs. And then third would be our brokers that we deal with, which we really, we love working with brokers because we're able to help them get done what they have to get done. Our largest broker last year did over 200 transactions last year. And I think this year he might touch 300. Wow. Um, so, you know, banks, OEMs, and brokers, uh, the individual person that we deal with, we deal with uh, probably less than we do anybody else, but we do a lot of them. I mean, and a lot of them would be, oh, I don't know, three or 4,000 that we're doing that we're not holding funds and actually doing the closing during a year. Okay. Well, you know, one of the things, and I'm, I, it's probably going to sound uh, like I'm buttering you up here a little bit, but you know, one of the things that, that we try to educate clients on is the importance of going through title and escrow. And, um, and, and there's, there's really no, uh, in my mind, I've dealt with them all, just like probably most brokers and dealers have. I, I, think, I don't think there's anyone in Oklahoma City I haven't dealt with over the years. We prefer and, and try to steer as many of our transactions to you guys as we can. And the reason uh, we do that is twofold. Number one, it's easy. I mean, you have built a, an organization there that makes it supremely easy for me to get a closing accomplished. Uh, most of the others, I'm walking them through it. I'm trying to get, uh, you know, I'm asked for other things. I'm asked for documents. I'm asked for things that, frankly, you guys do that we don't have to worry about. So I'm very thankful for that. Uh, but the other part of it is, is that just, just the fact that the business that you're in, uh, I think it's critically important. I don't care if you are buying a 172 or a $50,000 airplane. There are so many benefits to using a title and escrow company. Uh, it's one of the big red flags to me when somebody occasionally will get this, a guy that just absolutely refuses to do it. Uh, but can, can you go down that a little bit and, and kind of uh, unpack what it is that, you know, the benefit that you bring to the table for the, maybe it's just the individual buyer or seller, but why they ought to uh, use a title and escrow company. Absolutely. Um, Really, security is probably the biggest thing that I can think of that someone that's buying or selling a plane wants to secure their ownership. And I'm not the, the, the tailor that's walking down the street naked selling you clothes. I've owned 25 planes, personally. So I understand what a, what a pilot needs to have and what an owner of an aircraft needs to have and everything that needs to go into that existence of changing ownership or purchasing a plane, whether it be from the OEM, whether it be from your buddy in, in the hangar, who, whoever it is. The biggest issues that I see that people run into and why they need to address themselves as using an, an title company, an escrow company, uh, a, an attorney here in Oklahoma City, look, all those people are great people. They all are good people. All my competition, they're good people. They just don't have any vision. They've never had any vision. They keep doing it the same way they've done it since the 1970s. They don't create a new way to do it. And that's what AIC did. When I bought AIC in 2003, 
I walked in and I, I employed a typist. And I've told this story to anybody that's been at any of the conferences that I host or any of the places I've been. I've probably told this story, I don't know, 200 times. But it gets it across. People understand what I'm saying when I say, in 2003, I employed a typist that would type out the title reports. I couldn't believe it. I thought, oh my gosh, well, this company is just so backwards that that. And then I find out all my competitors employed typists. They all did, including the law firms. The law firms had somebody on a computer typing, but they were still a typist. They were still filling out the forms. They were still typing in all that information. And I created a system that allowed us to, to go away from the typist part and be more of an examiner. And my examiners now do fill out all the different little boxes that need to be filled out when they're doing a title report and they hit a button and it creates a report. And that's the software that we designed. And then from there, I stepped forward and said, now how can we make it more efficient for our closings, for the people that are closing transactions? And that's when we designed and developed the closing room and the aircraft closing room is now developed. So you as a participant, gets to go through a, a virtual closing room. And it's amazing because it helps everybody know where everybody else is. So the reason you need to use a title and escrow company is that it secures the money that you put forth, it guarantees the transfer of ownership, and it also gives you an understanding of who owns the plane. Because Joe over here, that has been my best bud that I've flown around for the last 20 years is telling me he's going to sell me his plane and he doesn't have any liens. I don't have anything on there. I don't have anything, but he forgot to tell you he hadn't paid the taxes on it. And, you know, from when he purchased it and the state's now going after him and they've filed a lien at the FAA and sure enough, you don't check. And the next thing you know, you're getting sapped with having to, find an attorney, go out and fight this and do everything else. And you don't want to be involved in that when you're in an airplane transaction. All you want to do is know you owned a plane, and now that's your plane. And if you don't go through those processes, you're, you're just spitting in the wind. And let me give you a hint. I'll send anybody out there a report from the FAA and say, now you tell me what it says. Because if you're not doing 10, 15,000 of these a year, and you're not an examiner that knows all the different ins and outs, you're going to miss something. I can guarantee you you are, because then you're going to call us up and say, now i got to fix it. And instead right. of it costing me a little bit of money, it's going to cost you a lot. Yeah. Yeah, and so you you touched on something there a minute ago. Uh, as a as a business owner, this is not a company that you started. You, you bought it. So uh, well, I, I'm just curious, why... Why get into this business, this industry? For the first part of my life, I sold insurance for Mass Mutual. I was a corporate and estate planner. That's what I did. I did your your 401ks. I did your life insurance. I did, you know, I did all that. And um, quite frankly, uh, I got divorced and I moved back down to the ranch. My family has a ranch in Southern Oklahoma. And I said, I was done with city. I was through. I went down. 
I was happy as a lark down there being on the ranch, doing nothing but punching cattle, doing the thing, putting out the hay, putting up the hay, um, stranding barbed wire fence, doing the whole thing. I, I mean, I'm, I, I grew up doing that. So I'm, I'm pretty good at that. Um, and then I started dating my current wife and a friend of hers owned, um, this company and it was small at the time. It had four employees and she knew that my, I loved aviation. Uh, I'm a pilot. I, uh, you know, just love it. And she said, you know, I have an opportunity to buy this thing. And I went, well, I'd be interested in that. So I came up and I looked at it and I kind of went over all the stuff and I went, eh, you know, they, they wanted to keep the same staff and everything on that was there. And I just saw a vision of this isn't going to go anywhere. And finally he called up and said, you know, the person that was managing this is gone now. Would you buy it? And I said, yeah, I will. So I came in and I bought it and I thought, you know, you know, maybe we can do something with this. I didn't know where it could go. I knew where I wanted to take it. Um, anything I do, I want to be number one. I don't want to be number two. And anybody that doesn't want to be number one, you don't, that's, that's not, we all want to be number one. You're not, might not get there. You might not be there, but you want to try it. You want to right. try to excel beyond what you think you can do. And so my, my concept was that, you know, really quite frankly, I saw how archaic this industry was after I kind of got into it. And I went, I think I can really change the industry and make it be more dynamic. And, and that's what the, that's why I bought it. Um, and quite frankly, we've done that, you know, in a few years, I'll have owned it for 20 years. And, we really we've we've changed the world in in how things get done and and how things are going to be done in the future. I think. Any of those four employees still with you? Uh, one. One. Okay. Well, it, it not not of those employees. No, no. Okay. None of those none none of those employees are still with me. Uh, I hired someone. Oh, about a month and a half into it that was going to work part-time for me and just be the bookkeeper. And that person is still with me. And then one of the, the, one of the closing agents uh, that has been around a long, long time. Um, I got her to come in and work for the period of us setting everything up. And then she's, she's been with me since then too. So there's two people that have been here a very long time. And I, I trust them with my life. They're just great people, great people. Well, what's, what's interesting to me, Clay, is from a, from a leadership perspective is that, um, so you, you bought the company, you've grown it, you've grown it both organically and by acquisition, right? And That's true. Uh, but what, what I found interesting in, in dealing with you guys for probably, I don't know, the better part of 10 years maybe, is that there has been from, you know, I'm an outsider, uh, but it's been very little turnover from what I've seen. I mean, the, the, the agents that have moved on that we've dealt with, and I think we've dealt with, I think we've dealt with all of them over the years. We, we, we tend to work with one more than another, but um, the ones that have left have retired, you know, when Val retired, 
couple of years ago uh, and, and some others. So uh, that, I think to me, that says a lot. And so uh, I'm just curious, you know, what, what your perspective is on, on, you know, I, I even, let me just take a, a little rabbit trail here and just give some, give folks a little bit of an idea of, of the organization that you run. And again, what I see from the outside. So uh, last time I was down at your facility there in Oklahoma city was probably five or six years ago. And you know, what struck me more than anything is that no idea. you put up these canopies to protect your employees' cars from the sun and the hail. And I thought, holy smokes, who does that? I mean, that's, that's pretty, that's pretty neat. That says a lot about taking care of your people. I think it speaks a lot of, a lot to people who just happen to drive by who, who does that for their people. So I'm just curious what your, you know, what, what, what your overall thoughts are on, on leading your organization and leading the folks that you have. You know, I've always tried to think back of if, if I were working for me, what would I want? Um, what would I need? I think I, I, try to respect everybody's opinions. I know I do. Um, I always ask for questions when I don't have an answer because I don't have the answers. I have a lot of, of thoughts and processes that I can get done. But I want to make a, a working environment that people can respect and they want to come to every day. Um, we have happy people. I have two rules if you work for me. Do not lie to me and be happy. And you can fake that be happy thing for about, oh, three months. And we've had a lot of people that will start off and they, they think I'm kidding, but I am not kidding. I like happy people. I want people to enjoy their life. I want them not to be down and out and always complaining and always having issues and always whining. I, 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 don't, I don't do well with that. Uh, I don't do well with that because I don't do that. So I want people to be happy around me. And the people that we have are really, really good people. And, you know, I try to provide for them. We have a workout facility in my office. We have a masseuse that comes twice a week on Thursdays and Fridays, and everybody can go back there and get a 10-minute, you know, shoulder rub or whatever. Um, I provide health insurance, dental insurance, vision insurance. Um, I try to give you 401Ks. You name it, you got it. Um, uh, and I want them to be, I want them to come into the office every day and actually want to come in because I've actually been in places where I didn't want to walk through the door. You know, I mean, somebody was yelling, hollering, screaming, upset. Everybody's always in a turmoil because it's, you know, we're, we're managing by crisis instead of managing by leading. And, you know, my concept is, is that your leader has to keep a, a calm thought process. You don't always have to be nice. I'm not always nice. If someone is not nice to me, I, I let them know, you know, and I will explain to them that, you know, I'm six foot five. And if you want to come kick my tail, I'll come let you work on it. But it's a country boy on the other side of that. And that might not come out too good for you. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, and I defend my staff to no end. Nobody gets to abuse the people that work for me. 
So if somebody calls up and starts yelling and screaming at me about one of my staff people, I'm going to back them 1,000%, and they know that. And so when you have somebody that's going to back you up, and, and I'll also hold my hand up if we make a mistake, and I'll say, hey, we messed up. How can I fix it for you? What can I do to make it better? And I think that's something people are shocked at because most people won't admit that they screwed up. And quite frankly, in life, you're going to make a mistake. I mean, you're going to miss a lean. You know, now I think we've missed five in the last, what is it going on, 17 years? So, but when we did, I held up my hand and said, I'm sorry, we messed up. Now, how do I fix it for you? How do I help you? Um, and I think that's something rare in this world that people aren't willing to accept that they made a mistake. And, you know, I didn't make the mistake, but one of my staff did. So I'm going to take the blame. And I think that's another thing a lot of people in the leadership roles, you've got to be able to stand up and, and defend the people you have. And if you can't, then you need to find new people. Yep. And that's just kind of my opinion on, on, on leadership. I don't know. I, I, I try to do the best I possibly can every day. Well, and you're dealing with a lot of different people with uh, a lot of different backgrounds and personalities. And, uh, and sometimes uh, you, you guys probably take the brunt, your agents probably take the brunt of uh, frustration because of something that's going on behind the scenes that you're really not even privy to. But, uh, uh, you know, we'll hear about that occasionally about how somebody vented about something and, and on and on and on. And, and so I'll have to kind of give a little bit of background history there. But, uh, you know, I, it's just one of those things that I, I suppose some of the agents at, over time end up being as much psychologists uh, as they do, uh, you know, title and escrow agents, which is, is helpful because some of them do an extremely good job of that. I, I have listened. I have listened to so many conversations just on the other side, and only hearing one side of it. And you want to sit there and just say, "I don't know how you pulled that one off because that was really good, and you got them through the hump or got them over the. Why am I signing up for the IR, or why am I having to do this, or why am I having to do that? And you know, if you can just help people understand that you're helping them. And I think that's the greatest thing that, that we can all do, especially in the sales business. When, when you guys are bringing a client to us, the last thing you want us to do is slow down your transaction. You don't want us to put the brakes on it. What you want to do is get it done and go on to the next. Right. Because nobody makes any money if it just sits there. And, and we don't make any money if it just sits there. We want you to get it sold because then it, we can get on to the next one. Um, and I think that's part of the part of the things that some of the other people that that I'm in competition with don't really understand the process of saying we're going to help you get through the process instead of just saying here send me all this stuff and we're going to figure it out because just send me all this stuff and we're going to figure it out it isn't going to work I mean it's just going to be a pile and who has this what has that. You know, who's on first, who's on second, who's on third, I don't have a clue. And so I think that's the one thing that we're able to do is help people kind of maintain that flow of the process and keep them moving. That's, uh, you know, that's one thing I kind of, I, I beat the drum on is anticipate your customer's needs 
but don't assume what they are. So you got to <laughs> ask those questions. And I think that, uh, again, I think your agents do a fantastic job of that. So let me, let me ask you this, um, just kind of changing gears here a little bit. Sure. You mentioned you've had 25 airplanes, people, you know, uh, love to listen to and, and hear about airplanes. So, uh, when, when did you start flying and, you know, what, give a little bit of a brief rundown of, of your experience and what, what you're flying now, and what you have flown. Oh, good Lord. Um, <laughs> you, don't, you don't have to name all 25 of them. No, I'm not going to, I'm not <laughs> going to, but I'll, I'll just, I'll just start off with the, why am I even passionate about flying? My, my, fa- my family has a ranch in Southern Oklahoma and we had a gravel airstrip on the ranch. And my dad used to fly off of that airstrip. And when I was a kid, you know, he had, you know, we had like 182s and, and he had a, uh, he had a 337. Okay. Which is the fixed gear one, not the 336 that retracts or is a 335. I can't remember. I can't. Anyway, he had the fixed, you know, push me, pull me, Skymaster. Okay. Yep. All right. And as that's the one I can remember as a kid. And I actually have a photo in front of me sitting in front of that in my Superman outfit when I was, you know, this big. And so it was always fun because it, it smelled. I could just remember the smell of it. And when we got a little bit older, dad sold his planes and bought uh, mobile homes. So we drove all over the country in these you know, mobile homes. And when we were kids, that's how we traveled around because he wanted us to see the U S you know, my brother went to college and he decided he was going to get his pilot's license and dad was no problem with that. Let's do it. And as he was doing that, I was going to be a senior. And I was just after my senior year of high school, I started taking pilot's license or pilot training down in, 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 uh, Ardmore. And then, uh, my brother and sister and I bought our first Grumman tiger from, uh, Senator Jim Enhoff was, had bought like 30 of them. And so we purchased one of those and that was our first airplane. That was the first plane I had. Uh, the last plane that I've had, the last one I just sold was a Baron. Um, I'm typed in a Sovereign Plus. I've flown that, uh, CJ4, Pilatus, um, of the planes that I've had. And I just got through flying the, uh, the Cirrus Vision Jet. And I've seen that since before Inception because I had an SR-22 that I flew for quite a while that I loved. Absolutely loved. I flew that thing from Seattle to the Cayman Islands. Wow. I mean, yeah, I mean, I flew that thing all over this country. Loved it. Loved it. It's great plane. Great plane. So anyway, I've seen the Cirrus being built forever. And they keep, they'd been calling me for quite some time saying, we really want you to fly this. And I kept thinking, dude, I, I just came out of a Sovereign Plus. You know, I really, you know, and if I step, step back into something, I'm, I'm looking right now at what I'm going to end up getting because I want to get something that I can fly. I don't have to have anybody else in there with me and we can do whatever we want to do. And if I'm going overseas or something, I'll just go commercial instead of fly the other way. Um, so I flew the Cirrus um, recently and I was blown away. 
and I'm, I really didn't plan on it. I mean, I really, really, really didn't plan on it. I planned on going up, flying it. Thank you guys. I appreciate it. That was really cool. But you know, I, I'll, I'll get a CJ four. Um, I was, I was shocked. It was really a cool plane. So if you haven't been able to fly in one of those, please go fly in one of them. It really is a neat plane. And, you know, in a few years on the youth side, they're probably going to be pretty reasonable. They'll be down there about where yeah. a Baron is. So, um, and really cool plane, really neat. Auto throttles, got everything I had. Everything I had in the, the Sovereign, I was flying in that. I was punching buttons going, holy cow, this is awesome. So it really is a cool plane. It's kind of in between that, that Pilatus CJ four. Those are my three planes that if he okay. had had to make me pick one of them, uh, those are tough, boy. It's it gets down to the and I love the plot. My wife loves the Pilatus. That's one of her favorites, and she likes it because she knows she could land it. You know, she sat in the front with me in the uh, the CJ four a few times. And she was going, you know, I think I could land this easy too, because it's re it really cuts through the air. And I was like, going, yeah, it really works. It's a good plane. So, you know, they're fantastic opportunities for people out there right now. Um, boy, I mean, we're so busy. I don't, you know, everybody, everybody that needs to get somewhere is kind of moving away from the commercial world again. And we're finally realizing that, you know, companies, that provide their staff to be able to fly in a, in a private plane. That's not, it's not overly done. You know, where in the past, if you did that, my God, you get crucified on every television station, every, you know, any social media outlet, anything that you can think of that would be bad, they would consider bad. Well, now people realize that it's not a bad thing. It's, it's a good thing to be able to be safe. You don't have to worry about COVID and all the other stuff. You can put the people that you work with every day in the same thing and go fly somewhere, come back that night and you're done. So um, once we start traveling again, I think it's even going to push, um, I think it's going to push the sales even more over the next year or so. Yeah. Have you guys noticed uh, right now the time, and, and this is being recorded by the way, in uh, early December of 2020. So the, um, uh, what, what's the what's the bulk of closings that you're seeing right now? Are they corporate level aircraft or are they more personal use aircraft? Or, you know, sometimes those personal use can go either way. Uh, the numbers that we're seeing right now would probably be uh, 6535, uh, 65 being corporate, okay. 35 being personal. Normally, it's probably almost 50, 50, almost 50, 50 really? on, 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 Oh yeah. On the normal base, our normal basis, the number of the number of transactions we do are normally probably 50% personal and 50% of the corporate side. Now, would, is that because the, uh, the numbers on the corporate side have just gone up? You're just doing more of them and they're, they're a bigger I share. I think what has happened is truly that the, uh, the different organizations are finally saying, you know, flying is not, it's not a bad thing. You know, in the past, the stigma has been so bad that if you flew privately, that was just, you know, you just got killed by, you know, your, your stockholders and everybody else would just, just 
tear you apart. Well, now you can turn to your stockholders and say, I can't afford nine of my people to get on a commercial airplane and come home and be out for two weeks. You know, we can't do that. We've, we've got to be able to put these people on something that's safer. And I really think that that's what it's, it's boiling down to right now is people are finally saying, time out. We can't put that many people and go somewhere. I mean, if I've got something broken down in, in Houston and I got to take five people down there to go work on it right now, or it's not going to be fixed, I could throw them on Southwest and they could go down and then everybody comes back and everybody, you know, now has COVID and they have to go sit for two weeks and not work. So I think that's what's kind of kind of happening. Maybe it's going to soften that. Oh, it's a bad thing for you to fly around in a private plane. Yeah, it it would be interesting to see how that all transpires, uh, especially as we get past uh, the election and you know the the, the optics, as we all call it, uh, change a little bit maybe. But uh, I, I, I agree with you. I, we even see it a lot on the personal side where it's, it's very same thing. Personal usage has gone up quite a oh, bit. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, now the personal, uh, personal aircraft, we're still, I mean, it's still busy. I'm not saying it's not. I'm saying it's busy as heck. It's just right now, the numbers we're seeing, it's, it's you know, it's kind of swayed toward the, com, toward the corporate side more than anything right right now now it'll probably swing right back to 50 50 or 40 30 or you know 40 60 whatever it'll it'll move around for us oh, that's interesting so um you know as we we start to get close on time here one of the things i wanted to ask about clay is um you know your your organization through through your leadership uh has really changed and innovated i think it's probably one of the reasons you like the uh, the 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 vision jet so much and the innovation that's, that is what Cirrus aircraft is. But, um, you know, you guys have done some things over time. So what, what's next for AIC? What, what can we expect to see coming down the road and, and how do you see, uh, you know, the title escrow business changing over say the next four to five years? Well, part of what's next is we're going to have to see what the cares program at the FAA brings out next year they're supposed to be bringing out a new method for us to be able to provide and get information and do the things that we do at the FAA uh, a few years ago they were going to put a bid out and actually um, Ernst and Young had contacted us to work with them on putting a bid to the FAA on the public documents room and and that whole area out there and so we had combined and been able to provide them because of our software that we've designed would just fall in line out there and be able to provide them with exactly what they needed to do. Um, but then they suck back the, the bid and they're just going to give it to the people that have had it in the past. And quite frankly, it'll be, it's, it's going to be a little nerve wracking because uh, that group has done this over the last few years. And every time they've made, a change like digital signatures. Well, they didn't even know what a digital signature was and they messed it up. And all my competition was sending in electronic signatures and they were accepting them for years. And the reason that my competition was sending, not all my competition, but some of it was sending in electronic, they're free. I was paying for my digital signatures, you know, 40, 
30, 40, 50 grand a year just for our digital signatures that we weren't passing on to our clients, but we were getting. So I don't, I'm nervous about what they're going to do because I'm not sure how it's going to affect everybody, how we're going to get the information, how we're going to retrieve the information, if we're going to be able to do things the way we do it. Uh, for years, I've been trying to get them to let my staff come off site and let me have a VPN in to the computers out there and let my staff work here instead of out there. Um, they haven't even been able to provide that, which is the basic of all basic software concepts. I mean, it's it. So that's the thing that scares me the most. So what's the future going to be and what's it going to bring? Um, change. And is it good change? Uh, probably not. It's probably going to be a headache for a while. It's probably going to be a real headache. And, and the only advantages that I know that I can provide to people is know that we're going to be ahead of all the change instead of behind it and trying to catch up because we're going to, we've already been trying to pre-think of what we can have in, in effect when they make these changes to see if we can soften the blow to our clients. Are they, um, with the FAA, and, and, and I'm just going to, I'm going to kind of go down this rabbit trail here real quick. You mentioned that you have three staff members on site there and right. that you can't, you can't essentially do your business without having somebody physically there at their location because they have not, for whatever reason, uh, decided that electronic transfers of information and documents can't be done. Now, that sounds like 1995 to me. Try, try before that. You remember the old DOS screens that you and oh, I yeah. saw? You remember those? Now, yeah. we're talking to a bunch of people out there right now that if they're listening to this, they're going, I have no idea what they just were talking about. I'm talking about the green screen with the slash and you had right. to type the other stuff. You remember that garbage? Sure. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's what they still use. They still hit F4, F3, F9. It's the most archaic system you've ever seen. And I mean, that is part of the problem and that's part of the issues. And, and their biggest concern is obviously getting hacked into and things like that. And boy, I get it. I mean, we're as secure as we can possibly be. We do everything we can. We have firewalls out the wazoo. We have, you know, we, we lock it up. But a private VPN to a computer that's sitting out there that, that the FAA controls and we have to send our staff out to turn them on in the morning and then on our last run at 3 o'clock or 3.30, turn them off. That's, just, that's no different than my staff sitting right there. So, I mean, you are a 1,000% correct in the, the concept that they really are behind. And not only are they really behind, they're really, really behind. I mean, super behind. And that's what we were going to bring to the to the right. technology side that we have already designed and developed here at AIC on our software to help them step over that hurdle. And, and they're going to use the same people they've used in the past to step over that hurdle. And I'm telling you right now, 
they ain't going to make it. They're going to hit it and they're going to go face down on that pavement. And somebody's going to have to pick them up and pick the hurdle back up and say, okay, now time for somebody else to try to jump the hurdle. Isn't that's that telling feel. though? Yeah, no, that's, that's great. Isn't that telling though of, of, you know, you replicate your experience across any number of industries that in the private world, they have innovated, they have gotten their processes to a point, their systems to a point where efficiency is huge, but yet they're coming up against that roadblock every time that's almost always the U.S. government or the state government, and, and they can't do what they need to do to make it even more efficient because those folks either aren't given the tools or they're just not the right people or whatever uh, to, to enable that. They don't, they don't need to change. Right. If they change something and possibly they do it wrong, then the, the biggest problem that they have is that, you know, they're afraid they're going to get fired. And, you know, quite frankly, I'm not worried about failing. I failed a ton of times in my life. And I just get up, brush my pants off and say, let's try again. You know, if you fail the first time you tried to pole vault, you'd never do it again. Right. Yep. Well, I was a pole vaulter. So let me give you a hint. You know, I, I missed the pit. I've done everything. I've done everything you can do. And I still go back there and grab that pole and run down that deal and put it in that deal and go up over it. I mean, that's, you know, you got to be able to get back up. And I think governments are too scared to fail. They're afraid, absolutely afraid to fail. And that is the biggest hindrance you're going to have going forward on anything is if you're scared to fail. You know, now, first of all, none of us want to fail. I don't like, I don't like failing. I don't like it. I mean, I don't like it at all, but I'm not scared to. And I think that's the thing that we all have to look at. I might make a mistake, but then I'm going to fix it and go ahead and be better and, and greater and build something bigger than what we've had in the past. Yeah. Well, Clay, um, I've got a hundred other questions for you that it, it, it's been great. I really appreciate this conversation. The time is up though. And, and I want to honor that time with you. Uh, so one last thing I do want to give you the opportunity though, is for people who are looking for the services that you provide, can you give contact information to your company? Sure. Um, AIC title, dot com www.aictitle.com and if you need to reach me it's c healy and that's h-e-a-l-e-y at aictitle.com uh, just hit us up any way that you need to um, and we're happy to to help everybody and anybody that needs help well great well thanks again and, and uh, again i really appreciate not only just you taking your time, because I know it's very valuable, but for the, uh, the, the company that you provide that makes, you know, businesses like mine uh, work much more efficiently. And, and you know, I've got, a, I've got a rule that when we refer some to somebody, uh, a, uh, I want to know that they're going to take care of my customers the way I take care of them. And, and there's very few, as you're aware, that, that will do that. So I'm, I'm very thankful and appreciative of that. So, folks, Clay Healy, AIC title. Thanks again, Clay. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Chris. Thanks for listening to the Wild Blue Podcast. Find us online at flywildblue.com. And don't forget to subscribe and share.